the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was not this perfume sold for 300 denarii and the money then given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. I think in a previous sermon I spoke to you about a friend of mine. When I came into the Air Force, a brand new lieutenant, uh, there was a young man by the name of Paul who came into the same organization at about the same time uh, from the Air Force Academy. Uh, the Air Force Academy, even in 1970, was a hotbed of evangelicalism, and it hasn't stopped, I don't think. Uh, but Paul was a wonderful guy. We got to know each other well. We became very good friends. Uh, but Paul, I think, always wondered if I, an Episcopalian, was really a Christian. So we had many conversations about that. I'd get the prayer book out and I'd go through the, especially the Eucharistic prayers. And I'd say, Paul, you know, this is the same thing you're talking about. But I think the problem Paul had with it was it was all written down. And we read our prayers. But anyway, Paul and I had many discussions about the Christian life and how we might lead that life. And I remember Paul saying to me once, are you a disciple or are you a follower of Jesus? Well, obviously, uh, my relationship with Paul uh, was important or I wouldn't remember that question to this day. And in fact, I think I still struggle a bit with that question. Paul talked about how uh, the disciples gathered around Jesus and were so devoted to Jesus and expressed that in their love of him. And that the followers, there was always, it seems, as his ministry went along, crowds of followers that perhaps were captured by his, uh, his charismatic uh, personality or by what he said, but they were not disciples. They were just followers. Well, I think in today's gospel, we have a picture of a real disciple in the form of, of Mary, uh, the, brother, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. And I don't know if you caught it, but in the reading, uh, Mary and Martha are still playing the same roles that they did in a previous reading, where Martha's busying herself in the kitchen and getting everything ready for those who are coming. And Mary is at the foot of Jesus. 
Well, that particular passage that we have this morning comes after uh, the raising of Lazarus. And you remember that uh, Mary and Martha were very upset with Jesus. They were crying because Lazarus, their brother, had become very ill. And because Jesus uh, tarried and did not come quickly, uh, Lazarus died. And in fact, when Jesus got there, he'd been dead three days. And Jesus, as you'll recall, raised him from the dead. So they're gathering now at the home of Lazarus, perhaps in thanksgiving for what Jesus did for Lazarus. Now, there's another thing that happens just before uh, this particular gospel section. And that is that Caiaphas and the Pharisees have become very concerned because the story of Jesus raising Lazarus has gone far and wide. The crowds are getting to be larger. And at one point, uh, Caiaphas calls them together in council and says, it is better for one man to die for all than for all of the people to die. And they begin to make plans for the death of Jesus and also Lazarus. I think it's interesting when we uh, hear that, uh, that it's better for one to die than for all. It's so easy, I think, for institutions to look out for the institution rather than looking out for individuals in the institution. And we certainly saw that in the terrible scandal, the ongoing scandal in the Roman Catholic Church with the sexual abuse, where the institution has repeatedly uh, taken care of itself and not the children. So I think this is an example of that. The other thing that strikes me about this is that if I had been a Pharisee, I think I would have agreed with Caiaphas. It's better for one to die for all. So we have that that precedes this gathering uh, for Jesus, celebrating what Jesus had done for Lazarus. I think it's uh, also important to remember that just as we are about to experience the, uh, the, the procession into Jerusalem by Jesus, uh, they are also, this, this passage precedes his entry into Jerusalem as well. So we're very close to the beginning of the Passion Week. Now, at some point during the dinner, Mary took a pound of this perfume that was made of nard, uh, probably from India, very expensive, and she poured it out on Jesus' feet. Uh, the, the gospel writer says that it was worth 300 denarii. Uh, a denarii was a single denarii is what a common laborer would earn in one day's work. So this was like 300 days work worth of nard that she poured out. But the thing that's really amazing is that after she pours it on his feet, she begins to wipe his feet with her hair. Now, if that sounds uh, sensual to you, it probably is, and it's a bit striking. Uh, in, in other places in Scripture, we have a sexual uh, innuendo having uh, to do with, with our relationship with God. And I think there's a reason for that. I think it's because our relationship to God and our relationship to Christ is to be like the relationship with a lover, with someone we love so much that it, it burns within us. We want to be near them. We want to be close to them. And there's that intimacy that is so important in that relationship is the kind of intimacy that God is calling us into. I think this is the picture of the disciple, the one who loves intensely and wants to be near the master. And certainly we see that in Mary. 
Mary's devotion is expressed in a way that would have been shocking to anybody there. Because just like today in the Middle East at that time, it would have been very, very unusual for a woman to show all of her hair to a man that's not a member of the family. And there she was, kneeling before Jesus, wiping his feet with her hair. So I think in this passage we have a dramatic juxtaposition of two kinds of followers of Jesus. Mary, who is so utterly devoted that she is willing even to perhaps shame herself in the presence of her family to show Jesus how much she loves him, how much she cares about him. And that is so important, that there be that relationship with the Master. And then there's Judas. And I believe that Judas may have started out as a disciple. And I think his perspective might have been, this is the Messiah we've been waiting for, the one who is going to overthrow these oppressors, these Romans. And then, as time went on, it became clearer and clearer to Judas that that was not the kind of Messiah that Jesus was going to be. And then I think it became much easier for him to be just a follower and not particularly in love with Jesus anymore. And as we heard in the reading, he was perhaps more interested in the money, counting the money and putting a little bit of it in his own pocket. So it became, I think, very easy for Judas to betray. So we have two images of discipleship. The one, intimate love, deep, deep love, willing to pour out oneself for the other, willing to even perhaps be made a fool of for the other. And then the follower, who perhaps is thinking about a lot of other things than what the master is calling him to. You know, they say, as I, as I approach retirement, I'm, I'm conscious of this. They say that all of us preachers really only have one sermon. So if you haven't figured it out, I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> My sermon is that the Christian life is really a life of relationships. It only has meaning in relationships. But the more important thing is that those relationships are built on love. That sounds awfully squishy. It doesn't sound very powerful. But love is the most powerful thing in the world. And love is what our, our life is based on as Christians. Love for one another. And Jesus says, even love for our enemies. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> Especially during the political season. It's very hard. <laughs> but that's what we're called to. We're called to love. And I think uh, it's perhaps expressed best by... Archbishop Desmond Tutu, uh, in a book he wrote, which is entitled Made for Goodness. And as a part of a longer poem, he has this section. Ask me any question. My answer is love. When you want to hear my voice, listen for love. How can you delight me? I will tell you. Love. The tough, unbreakable, unshakable love. Are you looking for me? You will find me in love. Would you know my secrets? There is only one, love. Do you want to know me? Do you yearn to follow me? Do you want to reach me? Seek and serve love. 
God is love. And we're called to be God's children. And as God's, God's children, we are to be love as well. Love to one another. Love to our enemies. Love reaching out day in and day out. And I believe that that is the call of the disciple. So my prayer for you, and I hope Paul's prayer for me still to this day, is that we might be disciples, loving Christ and serving Christ in the other. Amen. Amen.